Blog Talk Radio. Congressman Charles Rangel. Tonight, we reflect on his career, his public service, as this aims to be his last year on Capitol Hill. Ladies and gentlemen, hold on to your seats. Grab your families, your children, your lemonade, and whatever else you call proper. Because right now, we take off on Spotlight on Capitol Hill, where we remember the legacy of Congressman Charles Rangel. Hang on to your seats. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I am Lamont Banks, along with Lisa Stewart, Cliff Stewart, and Dennis Merritt and the AJC radio team. And, folks, this is going to be a good one. The spotlight on Capitol Hill. Uh, We had an exclusive interview uh, with Congressman Rangel a few uh, weeks ago. And I'll tell you, uh, Lisa, we had an opportunity to sit down with Congressman Rangel in D.C. a couple of weeks ago. What a gracious giant uh, on Capitol Hill, and tonight yes, seems to be a humdinger. Your know, thoughts? He is an awesome man. He's just somebody who you look at, and you can just be in awe at all that he's accomplished and the time that he's spent and the work that he's put in. I mean, he needs to be in, extremely applauded by everyone for everything that he's been doing. The man has been working hard for a long time, and it's time for him to take it. I'm glad he's getting a chance to retire and get a break. There you have it. Uh, 46 years on Capitol Hill, uh, and I'll tell you, Lisa, when we saw him, 
didn't look tired at all, and I'm sure he is, uh, given the journey he's been on. Cliff, your thoughts on Congressman Rango as we could begin this celebration tonight on Spotlight on Capitol Hill of his life and what he's done. Yeah, he's definitely to be celebrated. You know, I think to um, to echo off what Lisa said, you know, just to see his strength at that age, at uh, after 46 years of service, still, you know, going strong, looks good for his age. It, it's, uh, you know, you think, when, well, he's on TV, maybe they put a little makeup on him or, you know, they fix him up. No, this man, looks sure, he looks good for his age, but... The things, you know, that he has accomplished, you know, he's all he's always been touted as, a, you know, most influential member of Congress that, uh, you know, the laws that he's put into effect, he put in more laws in effect than any other member. And, uh, you know, it just really speaks to uh, who he is as a person that he's been he's been voted in 23 times. So, you know, our hats off to him. We commend him for the work that he's uh, done, and uh, we're here tonight to celebrate him. And, and that's exactly what it is. And uh, I'll tell you, uh, dapper is not even the proper word uh, when we saw him. Lisa had an opportunity to present an a award of appreciation, a plaque of appreciation yes. uh, to the congressman. Lisa, you worked on that very uh, hard, and uh, his response was overwhelmed. He was really overwhelmed with yes, that. Yes, it was, it was nice to see how much it meant to him and that he appreciated so much what we had done for him. But he was well-deserving of it. Yeah, and he's been a friend to AJC Radio. Uh, we consider uh, Congressman Rango a friend, uh, a sincere part of the AJC Radio family. We wish him the very, very best uh, as he gets ready for some R&R, if you will. Uh, Dennis, you know what that term means, uh, being <laughs> exactly. in the military. Uh, your thoughts on Congressman Rango, Dennis? Yeah, he is truly a lion. I mean, he's done a lot of work. I mean, he's uh, he's just awesome. I can't wait to really get into, uh, you know, the interview and get into the conversation and, and listen to what he had to say. Because I tell you, with that much time in Congress, you got a lot to say. Oh, absolutely. And we're looking so forward to it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to join in the conversation tonight on Congressman Charles Rangel, uh, what he's done, the pioneer, the lion, the National Geographic uh, uh, scenario, if you will, of, of Congress. And, uh, boy, we're excited. Temperature's rising already. We just started. Folks, you want to get in on this show tonight, feel free to dial in to 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. Uh, Lisa, the disclaimer for the folks. Yes, we just want to remind everyone that we are not attorneys and that a just cause does not provide any legal advice. You want to contact your own personal legal advisor for all of your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC radio. And as always, we want to thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend time with us this evening. And thank you for that, Lisa. We appreciate that. And folks, again, uh, where do you start when you start talking about uh, legends, when you start talking about leaders? uh, It's going to be a show tonight that uh, uh, the interview was absolutely awesome. We're going to be actually pulling some uh, excerpts tonight from uh, two uh, prior uh, interviews with AJC Radio that Congressman Rangel was so gracious to give us. And uh, Lisa, we can't stop there. We have to give a very, very special thanks uh, to his staff there on Capitol Hill. Hannah Kim, uh, outstanding young lady up there, worked with us, his chief of staff. Uh, you know, you don't know all the names of everybody there, but uh, yes, I yes. know they were they were wonderful to work with. They were made everything so easy. Absolutely. And, and Hannah, we wish you the very, very best as well. Uh, an outstanding uh, 
uh, what would you call it, advocate or uh, really pioneer or ambassador? Yeah, I would use That's that uh, for uh, for Hannah up there. We so appreciate your hard work and the entire staff and team uh, that that are there to to carry the load with Congressman Rango as he strives to give back to this great nation. And uh, we look forward uh, so much to this show tonight. Again, folks, if you want to call in, three four seven eight three eight eight nine seven six three four seven eight three eight eight nine Seven six, and that's going to be actually going on momentarily. Going to go, going to go into some current news right now. Uh, Cliff, uh, I'm sure you heard of the young man from Stanford uh, who was uh, found guilty, I believe, of rape and uh, assault. An assault ended up with a six-month sentence. It is the, perhaps there was an error on my computer uh, in my office. Perhaps I was misreading something. Can you talk to the folks a little bit about that? Well, yeah, there wasn't an error. It seems like all of America is realizing that uh, there's something wrong with the um, the judgment of that judge per se. I mean, other other uh, you know retired state Supreme Court justices were coming out speaking, saying you know they don't know where the uh, judge came up with the six months. The even the probation asked for one year. The prosecutor asked for six. Other judges were coming on there saying, I would have gave this kid no no less than 10 years. His father's on there talking, uh, you know, just putting the victim down. That, that was the thing that got me the most is, why are you putting the victim down and suddenly here is the convicted rapist is being treated like he is a victim. They're talking about, oh, this is going to mar his record. Uh, you know, he's going he's gonna to have to live with this the rest of his life. I'm like, what about the young lady who not only had to live through being raped, but now has uh, had to be, you know, reliving through the court process. Then you don't get a fair sentence. And now she's having to go through it all over again in the media. I think it is. Uh, I'm glad that everybody's coming out, speaking out about it. I, uh, I echo those other, um, you know, judges that are saying there's something wrong with this sentence. Something, something happened during the process. Uh, I think on, on uh, CNN, somebody was saying, you know, this was one of the times that the U.S. justice system, that the process worked and the judge failed the American people when it came to the sentence. And everything else lined up. When the judge came out with six months sentence, everybody's like, you know, you 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 let the American people down with that, and uh, and I echo that sentiment. Well, I'll tell you right now, uh, if you think that is, uh, I'll say it too little, too late. Uh, if you think this case is the only case uh, where this type of thing, and again, my concern is is that, and we're not going to deal with. Uh, it's all out in the news as far as the sentencing. What happened there? That's something that you can look further into as you look into this case. Uh, but, but again, our highlight and topic tonight, and not necessarily the judge, but again, Cliff, as you alluded to, the victim, uh, right. what, the, what she has gone through. And that's what I want to focus on tonight on AJC in this current event, that the victims, there are victims of crimes, uh, and we have to consider that in the process. Uh, and the victim at the end of the day uh, has, the, as, as Cliff alluded to, has to relive a lot of this stuff. And that's bigger than what the judge did, what happened. Well, let's focus now on the victim and the suffering that she endured as a result of this assault and this well, rape. Lamont, on top of that, with this kind of, with this kind of uh, sentence, he's basically told her that she really doesn't matter, that her body doesn't matter, her will doesn't matter, sure. nothing, her feelings, nothing, none of that really matters. The only thing that matters is that this boy is protected from what could come of him, become of him as a result of being in prison for the act that he committed. Sure, and uh, he's going to have some challenges as he goes to 
D block uh, in the penitentiary uh, for for his actions and what he actually well, they got, did. And that, that's the other thing. Now that they have him under protective custody. Well, automatically that's going to happen uh, given the the type of charge. But our our thoughts and prayers go with uh, the young lady's family and herself. Uh, and uh, we'll see how justice prevails, hopefully, here down the road. Um, ladies and gentlemen, again, to get into this conversation tonight, you have actually come into a place called Celebration, uh, and that is in regards to Congressman Charles Rangel, uh, a, the representative from New York, uh, born in New York, June 11, 1930, uh, doing some things, has continued. You know, usually you'll see a little bit of fade uh, as people get older, uh, no matter what career they're in, uh, but actually in Congress, you actually are in a war zone. Uh, you are fighting everyday battles. You are arguing battles. You are defending the American people. You are trying to make America better. The pressure of that and the burden of that, you would think, would take a, a, a serious toll uh, on an individual. Uh, Congressman Rangel, uh what a pleasure, Lisa. I keep going back to the few minutes that he did spend with us a few weeks ago. Yeah. Uh, I mean, just open, honest, very candid with us. Uh, you know, and, and he was talking about, you know, Lisa, we found out on this last trip to Washington how many uh, senators are out of the country. They're traveling. They yeah. got a, I saw his traveling bag on his, on his couch there in his office packing to go to another event. I mean, it's just one thing after another, and I think we really need to, ladies and gentlemen of America, we really need to salute our members that we send to that to Capitol Hill. It is absolutely has been an eye opener in the short period of time of what we have learned uh, that these members are doing, and my hat is off so much uh, to Congressman Rangel, uh, to his family, his wife, of course, that has been there through it all. Uh, Dennis, it, it gives you a sense, man, of wow. That's all you can say to that, and and I don't think enough. I don't think enough attention is actually shown to that as it should be. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, that's true. I mean, you kind of think about it uh, as being in the military. You know, when you, you your wife is with you, she she's in the military with you, and you're going to war zones. You're going to do what you need to do, what you was called to do, and we vote. Uh, these people in to uh, take care of the American people. And I tell you, that's a job to be commended for. And we truly, truly uh, appreciate um, Congressman Ringel. Okay. And, and to other uh, news tonight, uh, they are putting to rest uh, the champion of America, Muhammad Ali. I believe they he, he, he actually is laid to rest tomorrow. Uh, we talked briefly about him the other night, uh, the impact he had on this society uh, there were some interviews done with some athletes currently, uh, LeBron James, uh, of course, some of the players in the finals, uh, some NFL players that talked about the impact of his stand uh, with the Vietnam War, how it impacted him in a way, and some of these players that said because of the stand he took, uh, it, has been, it has proved to be a motivation uh, to, uh, to members uh, in, the, in, in our sports world, if you will, of America. When you think about that, Cliff, uh, it, it tells you the huge impact Muhammad Ali had on this society. I mean, it is, it is huge. Absolutely. I mean, not only was he, uh, as touted, the greatest boxer, you know, in my opinion, I loved Ali as an athlete. You know, I think he was the greatest boxer of all time. But he was also a, uh, a great humanitarian. You know, when you really look into his background, into the work that he did for children, for uh, 
for the abuse for human rights all over the world. Um, he really he really did a lot. I mean, he was he was quieter in his later years, but uh, there were still things where he was he was still working after after the athlete uh, retired. Ali, the um, the activist, stood up. So we uh, bid him farewell tonight. No, absolutely. And uh, our condolences again to his family, his daughters, uh, his wife, uh, who has stood. And and uh, everybody's talking about her strength uh, in the midst of that situation, uh, dealing with that. Uh, and and Dennis, when you saw some of the things that Muhammad Ali suffered uh, in his in his physical condition, fighting Parkinson's, which is a huge uh, issue. Uh, in this in this country, and a lot of people uh, suffer from that. Um, a lot of things going on uh, uh, going on there. So uh, good, it's a good thing that America is remembering him and laying him to rest. Uh, there will probably ne- never be another like him. Uh, those folks come once in a lifetime, and uh, we commend the the champ on uh, his accomplishments uh, here uh, before his passing. Okay, and uh, folks, coming up July 12th, we want to let you know. Uh, the new A&E program, A&E's program called 60 Days In, uh, one of the most acclaimed programs on TV right now, dealing with uh, and having uh, Sheriff Jamie Knoll uh, is actually coming to Let's Talk, July 12th, Tuesday at 7 p.m. at Colorado Springs Fellowship Church. Uh, had an opportunity to talk to him uh, a couple of days ago. He is excited. Folks, tell everyone you know if you need to get on a plane and, and jump here to Colorado Springs, the weather's beautiful, the mountains are gorgeous, uh, that's a trip you want to make for that Let's Talk. Uh, Sheriff Noel, uh, I call him a good old country boy, uh, trying to do some things that impact the nation. And I'll tell you what, A&E has gotten it right in, in, in selecting him and that, his position as sheriff uh, down there. Uh, he's doing some things, Dennis, Cliff, Lisa, and we are uh, basically, we are very honored to have him to be part of Let's Talk Coming up July 12th, 7 p.m., uh, right here in Colorado Springs. Stay tuned uh, to AJC Radio uh, and more information to come on that historic visit of what he has found. Uh, Cliff, he talked about it. He's, he's been a, on this show before, talked about what drives him, the passions that drive him. We are excited about welcoming Sheriff Jamie Noel. Your thoughts? Absolutely. I'm uh, very excited to hear even more about what he has to say uh, about, you know, the beginnings of, of uh, you know, what what it took to bring 60 days into, uh, you know, to fruition. Uh, there was a lot of things that he saw when he took that position as sheriff that he knew there was corruption going on. Who He knew that there was contraband of all kind that there was no other way he could get in except by the actual officers and uh he set out to ensure that those type of things stopped in his jail so i'm really excited to hear what else he has to say you know get the inside scoop on uh some of the things that happened on the uh on the a and e uh you know film that they did 60 days in i'm just uh real excited to hear the sheriff when he gets here no absolutely gonna be a great time ladies and gentlemen uh definitely stay tuned to ajc radio uh and we'll fill you in with more information of that event uh, we got some other things. Lisa had a meeting uh, uh, with the Professional Bull Riders Association uh, in Pueblo yesterday. Uh, some things happening, partnering, doing community outreach. Folks, I'll tell you what, this is going to be a summer to remember. Things are happening here at AJC Radio and a just cause. And I'll tell you what, we're just getting started as we kick off actually the second half of the year. And we got some great events on the way. Folks, hang in there with us. Coming back when we get back from the break. We said it once, we'll say it again, Lion of the House. 
Congressman Charles Rango, we look at his life, his accomplishments, and what he's done to make an impact the last 46 years in our nation's capital. Folks, we're coming right back. This is AJC Radio, spotlight on Capitol Hill, shining the light on the lion of the house. Congressman Charles Rangel, hang on to your seats, folks. We'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world. The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population, but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call 1-855-529-4252. That is a just cause. And we fight for justice. Again, call a just cause today. Don't delay. Call one 529 4252. It is time, and I say high time, that we take America's incarceration seriously. Won't you join us? Call today. Here are 50 white guys. Here are 50 black guys. Here's how many white guys can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. The chances amount to 1 out of 17. Now here's how many black guys can expect the same thing. The chances are 1 out of 3. Why? Lots of reasons. It's complicated. But one thing is clear. There's racial bias at every level of the criminal justice system. When blacks and whites commit the same kind of crimes, blacks are more likely to be arrested. Once arrested, they're more likely to be convicted. Once convicted, they're more likely to serve longer sentences. Look at the numbers in America's so-called war on drugs. About 14% of American drug users are black, as are about a quarter of drug sellers. Yet blacks are 34% of the people arrested for drug crimes. And those convicted of drug crimes, 46% are black. By the time we factor in sentencing, there are actually more black drug offenders than white ones in state prisons and in federal prisons. In the end, the incarceration rate for drug crimes is 10 times higher for blacks than it is for whites. These are the facts. Racial disparity in America's war on drugs is one big reason that one out of three black men can expect to go to prison in their lifetime. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. Tonight stands as a, a mark, if you will, in history on AJC Radio, as we have had the privilege and the honor of honoring Congressman Charles Rangel. 
making a difference in our nation's capital, doing things across America for the last 46 years. Uh, you did not, uh, you no need to adjust your radio or your internet or whatever you're listening to this on because we, you heard that correct. 46 years in our nation's capital making a difference across America. And tonight we take a very special moment to shine the spotlight, a very special spotlight on Congressman Charles Rangel, a representative from New York, born in New York, New York, June 11, 1930, attended the Whit Clinton High School. Uh, B.S. Uh, New York University School of Commerce, uh, New York, New York. Uh, uh, also a uh, resident, uh, went to actually St. John's Law School uh, there in Brooklyn. Uh, was in the United States Army from 1948 through 1952. Actually served in the Korean War. Dennis, uh, we're going to defer to our veteran uh, specialist, if you will, host uh, tonight. Dennis, uh, Korean War, uh, he shared with us a little bit. Uh, in regards to what he suffered there in the Korean War, the things he saw. Uh, give us your insight as a veteran. How special is Congressman Charles Rangel? Uh, he's very special. I think that any congressman that actually served our country in battle, uh, defended what we stand for, truly should always be commended. That's somebody that can understand the veteran and understand the American people, you know, understanding what they, is, what they need. And uh, I tell you, I commend him. Uh, we, we've been to a lot. We've had a lot of conflicts, but uh, I've heard the Korean War was no joke. So yeah. uh, my hat's off to him. Oh, absolutely. It says here that Congressman Charles Rangel is a war hero, a history-making congressman and master lawmaker. Uh, he is a founding member of the Congressional Black Caucus. Cliff, uh, we know the importance of the Congressional Black Caucus Congressman Rangel being a founding member. How significant is that? Oh, yeah. I mean, he set in place uh, what every African-American or black member of Congress that came after him and those other founding members that they could have an identity to say, you know, I broke the barrier. I am a member of Congress and I must and uh, will do what I have to to ensure that the, uh, you know, every black American has equal rights uh, you know, under all the Civil Rights Acts, under the, uh, you know, under the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. So he was integral in ensuring that those type of things happen. And, and you know that when they implemented the CBC, uh, that they were going through tremendous amounts of, uh, you know, racial turmoil. And uh, you're talking about in the middle of the Civil Rights, uh, you know, time frame when it first started. Uh, Martin Luther King, you know, you had the assassination of Dr. King, the assassination of JFK. And uh, these things happened because of the civil rights movement. And uh, Charles Rangel was there. And he ensured that, uh, you know, in the face of adversity, in face of violence and danger, uh, and even death, that he continued to press on. You can do nothing but commend him and the other the others that uh, started up with him that, you know, they, they just did what they had to do to say, we will ensure that America offers equal rights to every every person of color. Oh, absolutely. And, and this is amazing. Said Congressman Rangel made history as the first African-American member of Congress to lead the powerful Ways and Means Committee, uh, currently serving his 23rd term in the House of Representatives, where he has been cited as the most effective lawmaker in the House. Leading all of his colleagues in passing legislation, Congressman Rangel was a prime contributor to President, o President Obama's 
historic health care reform law. I mean, the, the, again, we're not talking about somebody that's making a little noise, folks. Uh, this is a tsunami, if you will, breaking forth here in our nation's capital. And, uh, Lisa, when you hear that, uh, as a mother, as a, uh, a young woman, uh, whatever uh, uh, title uh, that, that, that we want to give, that we want to give you, Lisa, what does that do to you to know that somebody in Congress is doing things on that level? And has let me tell you something: experience makes the difference. Yes, it does. He has an overwhelming amount of experience in probably every facet of life and challenges that you can think of. Lisa, give me your thoughts on, on, the, on Congressman on that level. Well, I think it just makes you proud to know that we have someone like that working that hard uh, on our behalf. He's not working just for the citizens of New York. He's working for the entire country. And he has fought, he's worked, that shows you that he's working harder than most of the people that are there because he's accomplishing more. And in order to accomplish more, you have to do more. And it just it means a lot to have someone out there really fighting for those things and doing that and trying to get as much accomplished as he can. Well, ladies and gentlemen, you heard the terminology uh, coming up with a silver spoon in your mouth. Make no mistake about it. Congressman Charles Rangel, after growing up on the other side of the tracks on Lenox Avenue in Harlem, he was transformed from a high school dropout to war hero. Did you hear me? A high school dropout to a war hero. That says a lot. Uh, and it took a lot of resolve for the congressman to do what he did. Uh, says here he was, uh, he was a war hero after, volu- after volunteering for service in the Army during the Korean War. He was wounded in an attack by waves of communist Chinese troops and was awarded a Purple Heart and Bronze Star for Valor. After leading his surviving comrades from behind enemy lines, we're going to defer to our veteran <laughs> host again, Dennis. Yeah, can we get a hoo Let me tell you something. Listen, hoorah! <laughs> hey, listen, I'm not a veteran, you know, but I tell you what, that gives me chills, man. Oh, that is awesome. Hey, you know what? He awesome. was won't. This is a high school dropout, the nobodies, if you will, of society. That's awesome. But Congressman Rangel is far from a nobody. No, not at all. Give me your thoughts, uh, veteran, would you? Hey, awesome, (laughs) awesome. I mean, when you hear the Purple Heart and the Bronze Star, and then when you hear that he led his, uh, you know, his unit out of uh, harm's way, I'll tell you, that's awesome. Uh, Most of the time you hear about that, it's a a Medal of Honor, but uh, usually... That's given uh, upon death, and that tells you that wow, he he, he he that was tough. I mean, if, to to get the Bronze Star, to do what he did, in order to you know to to, to keep his troops safe, uh, I, I got my hats off again. <laughs> well, uh, that's also um, on his back. <laughs> no, absolutely. And he, what what I like about Congressman Rangel, Lisa Cliff Dennis, he took advantage of the opportunities that were given him. Uh, stated here with the aid of the GI Bill. He earned degrees from New York University and St. John's University Law School. He began his public service as an assistant U.S. attorney for the Southern District of New York and was later elected to the New York State Assembly. He came to Washington, D.C. in 1971 to serve in the House after defeating the legendary Congressman Adam Clayton Powell, Jr. In Congress, following St. Matthew's teaching, he has been a, a, a stalwart champion for the least among us, advocating powerfully and persistently to improve the lives of working people. He is a defender of veterans and has treated education as a national 
security issue. Cliff? Yeah, absolutely. I know that. Wow. You know, when we were there last time, that's what, you know, he uh, he gave us a few of his thoughts about uh, the things that he wanted to do and, and some of those who kind of opposed him. And he made that statement. He's like, you know, uh, education is not a local issue. It's not just uh, something that you deal with at the state level or at the community level. He said this is a national security issue, education. And, and when he first said it, you know, I was like, I'm like, I never thought about it that way. But then when you really, if you really just sit down and begin to think, how does education, uh, you know, influence or affect national security? It's because if you're not educated about the issues, if you're not educated about the past, about the history, if you're not educated about who you are as a person and how you apply to your country, then you become a national security issue. It's like, okay, without being educated about what's going on, you could let the wrong person slip past you. You could let the wrong situation, you know, uh, bypass. You could see someone in harm's way and ignore it because you're not educated about what's going on in the world. And I thought that was profound when he made that statement that education is a national security issue. Well, and, uh, my heart, my, my hat's off to him. Well, I'll tell you what, it, it is one of those things, uh, Cliff, Lisa, Dennis, I'll tell you, he talked about self-esteem. Uh, what comes as a result of being educated, pursuing education, you begin to believe in yourself. You begin to believe I can accomplish something. You begin to believe that I can do something. Thus, you are in a position to be a, a major contributor to society. Someone that, and he's proven it. Not only does he, has he become a major contributor to society, he has become a powerhouse and impacting lives of many, many people. Uh, I'll tell you what, it's a deep sadness to see Congressman Rangel go, but we do understand sooner or later uh, the next step is necessary. And, folks, I'll tell you right now, get in on the conversation tonight, 347-838-8976. That's 347-838-8976. Congressman Rangel goes further and shows that he is a leading advocate for equal rights and equal opportunity. He has boosted the incomes of millions of working families with the Earned Income Tax Credit and pumped billions of dollars into revitalization of communities across the nation, including Harlem, demonstrating his commitment to education. He has created financial mechanisms to construct and rehabilitate public schools across the country. Shall we go on? This is a resume of not talk. This is walking the walk, Dennis. Your thoughts on that? It, it's it's so awesome because it got about. It, it has to be about the people. It has to be about making sure we do the right thing for everybody, not not a certain class, not a certain position, you know. But looking out for the American citizen, no matter who they are. And I tell you, just from what you said, I mean that is awesome, and that's what he's doing. That's what he's doing, folks. We won't delay it. Any further right now, we just had, again, an interview with Congressman Rangel. We're going to bring that interview to you right now. Hang on to your seats. Here we go. Okay, ladies and gentlemen of America, welcome in to Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday tonight. We have a very special uh, presentation of Spotlight on Capitol Hill as we uh, interview and talk to Congressman Charles Rangel, uh, a, a man, a legend, if you will, on the Hill that has done remarkable things. As we reflect on Congressman Rangel's accomplishments, his passions, his life on Capitol Hill, as this uh, 
is going to be his last year in Congress. And uh, we wanted to do a very special show tonight to honor someone who has given over 44 years of his service, of his life, really, to public service and helping the American people. And Congressman, thank you for joining us today. It's a pleasure. It's indeed a pleasure. And Congressman, as we were, you know, as as the team here, uh, we're looking back at at the spotlights on Capitol Hill. uh, We ran into something that we thought was so monumental uh, in your career and the length of time that you've been in Congress. Tell me, Congressman Rangel, what has been your most sincere or, if you will, uh, most important legislation or work that you've accomplished since you've been on the Hill that many years? I can't say that. I've had uh, so many uh, opportunities. As you know, a couple of years ago, I'd signed, had more uh, legislation signed into law uh, than any other member of the Hill. So awesome. To- so to go back and to try to give priority when most of these things are either life-saving or improving the quality of life, hearing income tax credit, which makes certain that nobody works and still stays in poverty, the low-income housing credit, which 90% of all affordable housing came in it, recently the uh, Obamacare or the the um, the uh, the health bill that that we had the uh, that came out of my committee. All of the legislation that the president needed uh, when he met the fiscal crises uh, all came out of the Ways and Means Committee when I was the chair. And of course, in my heart, there's nothing more emotional than having Obama thank me for making certain that companies, American companies in South Africa, they uh, they had to leave because we made them pay taxes in the United States as well as South Africa, and their racism could not live up to the overall tax expenditure it would take. But uh, quite frankly, all of these things have been a team effort. Sometimes I'm working with the president or the the Secretary of Treasury, uh, certainly with the Democratic leadership in the House and and the chairman of other committees. It's really been a team effort in all my life. Was the four years in the Army, a couple of years as a federal prosecutor, four years in the state legislature, and 46 years in the Congress. It's been really a life of, of working with people so that even though my name is the one that's on it as a law, staff and so many other people made it possible for it to be signed into law. No, absolutely. And Congressman uh, Rango, it must be tough um, as you, you've done something for so long. Uh, I, presu- I presume it's somewhat of a tough transition for you. I thought, I really thought that it, would be something that I've never faced in my life. I've gone from one step into of my political career only to go to another step uh, that was higher. But but somehow the the political uh, cataracts have been removed from my eyes, and I 
I see my grandchildren and children in Technicolor. I see the needs that I could do in trying to help kids get scholarships as tuition goes up in City College, financially goes into ruin. And uh, I see so much, so many, many things that I intend to do that my biggest problem now is giving priority to whether I teach, whether I fundraise, whether I give speeches, but all of it's going to be uh, to make certain that our kids have a better crack at get, getting a decent education because no one knows better than me as a, a bum from Lenox Avenue as a high school dropout. If I wasn't a veteran, if I didn't have the GI Bill, God knows where I would have been. And unfortunately, that has been true of almost all the guys in my gang in the neighborhood. If you could just get a hook on self-esteem and training and the opportunity to earn a decent living and get married and have a family, everybody knows that makes a lot of sense, and I intend to keep doing that. Oh, we commend you on that, Congressman Rangel. And I, I noticed, uh, I did notice, education, a very huge part of some of, well, some of the passions uh, that have driven you to the level to do what you've done there on Capitol Hill. Uh, talk to us a little bit about why is education, in your view, such a major impact uh, on a nation and us, us moving forward? Well, you know, I've even thought determined that uh, Donald Trump has completely destroyed the Republican Party, that I think there's ways that the party of Lincoln, if instead of appealing to former Democratic Dixiecrats and wealthy white tycoons, that if it really was to say that they want to make a better America by targeting the communities that for whatever reason are not productive and look at the nation and find out where you have the poorest people, the sickest people, the worst schools, the highest unemployment, the highest people incarcerated, the most illness. If you just look at them and say, this is the part of America that, for whatever reason, are not living up to their potential. And if you concentrate, as Roosevelt did at the time of the Depression, not on color, but on giving people an education, self-esteem, it just seems to me that the other issues that we have, affordable housing, health care, uh, these things lock into place if you got a decent job. And so I know the Republicans never would have credibility in terms of reaching the Psalms out to minorities and to immigrants. But if they really were concerned about being a viable national party, they would know that they need to get more than just old, uneducated, prejudiced white folks and so white males. And so it could very well be that when you concentrate on the stigma that we've had to carry since slavery, you can break that stigma with education. 
maybe not Clarence Thomas, but most people can regain the feeling that God has given us once they feel secure. And uh, there's just no question in my life that, uh, that just going back to school tied in with the universality of Lenox Avenue, I'm okay. Sure. Oh, you know what, Congressman Rangel, I think that's important. And uh, I think what sets you apart and what is, and I'll be honest with you, Congressman Rangel, uh, in the times that I've had the opportunity to speak with you to, to do the spotlight on Capitol Hill here, uh, reflecting on things that you're doing, and you have never stopped working tirelessly to accomplish the vision that you see for America, uh, I'll tell you right now, uh, there will be a huge void on Capitol Hill with Congressman Charles Rangel out of the uh, out of that chair on Capitol Hill. I'll tell you, you'll be very, very missed, I believe, uh, because of what you offer and what you bring to the table. And that is a, a sincere heart uh, for America, for America's kids, for our future. Uh, and, I, and I tell you, here at AJC Radio, we commend you on your on your awesome service that you've given this country. Uh, I don't think no one can replace you up there, to be honest with you. Well, uh, you know, each person brings a different personality uh, to the Congress because this seat has been held uh, for 70 years just by two people, uh, me yeah. and the late Adam Clayton Powell. And there's absolutely no question in my mind that, that nobody replace Adam Clayton Powell and that history is going to have him down as the one of the most eloquent and, and exceptional legislators we've had. And so life is such that you never know the potential that's in someone that has the opportunity to perform. I've endorsed Assemblyman Keith Wright. He's the son of Judge Bruce Wright. And he's been in the assembly for 20 years, and he is bright, and other good candidates. But what Bruce has done, what Bruce's son has done, what Keith has done, is gone to every part of this diverse community, and on his own earned the respect of the Bronx Borough President, the Bronx County Leader, the Speaker of the Assembly, the the Puerto Ricans, the the, the Hallamites, and. East Harlem, he's put together on his own a different personality, but the same commitments. And he is now, I joined 11 members of Congress to start the Congressional Black Caucus. He'll be joining 46 members of Congress. And so, yes, there will be different personalities changing, but as long as we don't look at this as work, as long as we realize that we have been given an opportunity to improve. I mean, going from slavery to having someone who looks like a slave to be president is a big deal. Yes, it is. But, but being slaves for hundreds of years and not being treated as a human being for most of those years is a terrible tragedy, especially when the Catholic Church and other religious institutions were involved with trading human beings. And so that's a heavy burden 
that blacks had to carry. And so that's why it's not working. It's an opportunity to show the next generation that we're not there yet, but you have to get a satisfaction of knowing that you made a contribution. And so I wrote a book that I haven't had a bad day since I was left for dead in Korea on November 30th, 1950. And I can tell you with all candor, I've been tested and haven't had a bad day because I know what bad times can be. Yes. And Congressman Rangel, as you, and I'd like to get your viewpoint on the landscape of America going forward. If you had advice to give uh, or encouragement or whatever you want to call it to those coming after you to uh, to fill the shoes and to fill the chairs of, of, of Congress uh, as errors change and people change, as, we, as you just alluded to, what advice would you give them in order to be successful as a legislator? What would you tell them is the key ingredient to being a successful legislator? Well, I didn't know you could end up being saying legislator because it's really just being successful with your life. And that is, what tools do you need to survive, to negotiate a decent life? A decent and life. Of course, you have to be healthy, but learning how to do something and doing it well and being productive means that people need you. And you don't have to be a psychiatrist to know that if you can't do anything and you're not needed, then nobody's got to pay too much attention to you. True. But whatever opportunities you have, whether it's entirely in an educational institution or perhaps listening to someone that you respect, you don't have to accept everything that people told you. But there's so much that people have to learn. I know that's true for me and true for so many others. And so I don't see it just as an individual or community thing. What I say could be a new blueprint for the Republican Party clearly could be a new blueprint for America. And that is that we'll be dealing with people that don't give a damn about our multiracial melting pot. All they know is that we're the most powerful creative nation in the world, the most powerful economically and the most powerful militarily. And that if we're going to maintain that edge, we ain't got no time for putting a whole lot of people in jail, keeping them in hospitals, having them homeless, or having them in a position that they cannot be productive. And so my quest in trying to invest in education is not just so that people walk around with degrees, but rather they walk around with self-esteem and being productive. And that has to be true of our nation. We cannot afford as a country get someone's background and color and language to determine how we got to handle the challenges of China or the European Union 
we're going to have to make certain that everybody is producing. And, you know, you don't find too many successful people that are able to harbor racial prejudices and, and envy others and to look for scapegoats. When you're doing well, there's a little less hatred around. You know, people can get to like each other if they're doing okay. And that is just absolutely true no matter where you go. So we don't need a whole lot of jails and hospitals. We just need more schools, decent homes, and a place where people can live a, a happier life. America has the potential for all of this. Unfortunately, the, the, the stigma of the Civil War and slavery is still with us. And who knows that better than Donald Trump as he pushes those buttons to relive the prejudices and the biases that never went away. No, and that's true, and, and, and those are things, of course, that are concerning, uh, I would think, to at least in a general election, very concerning to the American people, who I hope and believe uh, will make the right choice, that that stuff cannot be tolerated. And we have too many issues we have to when you add racial uh, hate and bigotry and divide in this country, uh, that adds to our problems. It definitely doesn't propone us in the right direction. You are so right. I could not think of what a brother or sister would be saying if they were not registered or did not vote and woke up in the morning and Donald Trump won by one vote. I don't know what they would do with themselves. I can make some suggestions, but it just seems to me that we have the opportunity to see the challenge and to do something about it. Oh, absolutely, and, and it goes back, as, as I talked earlier on this program, uh, you know, when we, when we do the spotlight on Capitol Hill uh, and we hear the things that are going on and the, the things that you're doing and have done, this is why it's important that people go vote. This is the importance of every vote counts, and especially this year, uh, to your point, Congressman Rangel, that is so, so very true. Uh, and we'll be definitely uh, pushing that as we approach uh, one of the most monumental elections uh, of our time. That's going to be critically important. I'm so uh, glad to hear you say that because uh, recently there was a television uh, a story on Lyndon Johnson and Fannie Lou Hamer and Martin Luther King and the struggle for the civil rights. And uh, a lot of people died and others were hurried and Many were jailed, and and the final analysis, all of this was done, not for any titles or any rewards, but just for the right to vote. And that voting made a hell of a difference when Lyndon Johnson from racist Texas was able to say that we shall overcome as a nation. Hey, man. He meant that we had to get those votes in order to make certain that we showed that we had that much of self-confidence as a people that we were going to participate. So this, when you think of how many people died for the right to vote and how many people act like they're too tied to register and vote, you, you got the right thing. Just keep pushing it so at the end of the day, you know that you've done your share. 
No, absolutely, and, and could not have said it better, Congressman Rangel. And I'm going to be respectful of your time and your uh, well, your. Well, I enjoyed talking with you, and uh, you're doing a great job for our country. And uh, whenever I can be of any help, you know, Washington doesn't have locks on contributions, so I'll be right here in my hometown of Harlem. Okay, and Congressman Rangel, last thing I'll tell you is that. Uh, we will uh, be following up with you as you proceed. Uh, you're always uh, welcome here on AJC Radio uh, to push whatever you decide to be doing uh, after uh, after leaving Congress. Uh, we'll be more than happy to uh, push that to our listeners all across the United States and give you a platform always here uh, on AJC Radio, and we appreciate you so much. Well, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. Thank you so much. All right, Congressman Ringo, take care. Okay, and there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Congressman Charles Rangel speaking very direct, uh, very plain, very clear uh, in his message that the importance and the issues that we face as a nation and the importance of those issues are very, very clear in the mind of Congressman Rangel. After 46 years in Congress, his passion, his purpose – remains the same and that is to impact the nation and he will do it not only as he finishes his time in congress but according to congressman rango he intends to push further even beyond that and we salute him tonight on this very special edition of spotlight on capitol hill as we highlight the life the passions and the future and the vision of a man by the name of congressman charles rango that is getting it done we'll be right back after this. Do you know anyone who's been sent to prison who's innocent? The United States is experiencing record numbers of exonerations in cases where people were wrongfully convicted of crimes they did not commit. If you believe that no one should be sent to prison for crimes they didn't commit, there is something that you can do today. By remembering a just cause with a monthly, annual, or one-time donation, you can help in the fight against wrongful convictions. Call a just cause at 855-529-4252 or visit a-justcause.com and click the donate button. A just cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall. We know you care. Now it's time. Time to change the face of justice. Did you know that minority and youth participation in juries is extremely low to non-existent? The incidence of youth and minority offenders faced with trials have exploded. Youth and minorities are not being represented as they should be. We must represent for people to get fair trials. If you acquire a state ID or driver's license, it allows you to register to vote. And it allows you to become eligible for jury service. If you're 18, a U.S. citizen with a state ID or driver's license, and registered to vote, you're eligible to be called for jury duty. If called and selected, make it your duty to serve. We can't get justice without you. Change. 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 Change the face of justice. Check your local county or state jury service website for further details. Over a million people 
are sitting in the prisons of America for nonviolent offenses. That's why I'm asking you to join the American Civil Liberties Union and help us in the fight to end mass incarceration. We spend over $80 billion a year incarcerating people. Alternatives to prison, like community service, drug treatment, and rehabilitation, costs less and can turn lives around. It's time for fair justice. It's time for smart justice. And we need your help. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen, the Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, and we call it the special edition because we are now dealing with the lion, that, who we call the lion on Capitol Hill, Congressman Charles Rangel, and uh, it has been a indeed, an indeed pleasure, uh, Dennis, Cliff, Lisa, as we hear that interview with Congressman Rangel, what thoughts go through your mind, uh, Dennis, as we deal with that? Wow, what a what an awesome uh, congressman! I tell you, uh, as he was talking, I was like, "Wow, this is so real," and he's he, his whole agenda is about the American people. And then he spoke about how we can't have these racial divides. Yes, we can't have you know uh, anything based on background, color, language. I mean, it almost made me think of the word uh, what he would envision this United States of America as being like a utopia. It's about everybody getting along with each other. And he pushed that education so much, almost as though it was the remedy to a lot of the things that we are dealing with in this uh, country today. No, absolutely. Cliff, your thoughts as you heard the Congressman talk. You know, yeah, I just follow up on uh, what, what Dennis said. It's the, uh, you know, the realness. And, uh, you know, after after being in Congress 46 years, uh, you know, you you have to you can't pretend that long. It's just uh, it's just not reasonable. You know, you, you don't, um, you know, put up a front for 46 years. I mean, that's a that's that's a lifetime. I'm 45. So you you can't imagine a person putting up a front of saying, you know, that they they care for the American people. They care for the office. They they care for uh, you know for the agenda of bringing change, the agenda of bringing equality. And you know you you go back and you think you know 46 years in Congress since 1971, um, and the things that that he's been through, oh. the the things that he has seen. I mean he's seen integration, you know, uh, racial integration of schools across the board. While he was in Congress, not just, you know, as saying, hey, you know, I'm a I'm a citizen of the U.S., but while he was in Congress, he watched it. I know, you know, when I was in California, I was born in 1971, and I know in 1975 and uh, in Los Angeles County, that's when uh, several of the schools there got integrated, wow. when, when I was four years old. 
And so you think as a adult, a member of Congress, watching that, watching, uh, you know, the, the small flashes of equality that America has had uh, through the years, through the decades, uh, you know, almost a half century. And that still he, fighting for more. Still fighting, saying, you know, the fight is not over. And, uh, you know, it all begins with what, like he said, you know, education is a national security issue. That is where it all begins for uh, for Congressman Rangel. And, uh, you know, it, it just... It just warms your heart when oh, you listen awesome. to him talk. And I mean, uh, you know, when we were there in, in, uh, in D.C. talking to him, I mean, this man is the most down to earth, real, just practical, saying this is just this is what it takes to bring change, uh, you know, through the through the nation yes. to uh, to all of the American people. It's, 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 it's just wonderful. No, absolutely. And I'll tell you, folks. Congressman Rangel's reach of humanitarian if spirit, if you will, goes uh, beyond this country. Uh, Congress, Congressman Rangel's unparalleled foreign policy record has focused on Africa and the Caribbean. In 1986, he sounded the death knell for apartheid in South Africa with the Rangel Amendment, which forced the largest U.S. investors to abandon the country. He has created trading and investment opportunities for struggling nations in the Caribbean and Africa. In 2010, he successfully promoted vital investment incentives for earthquake, earthquake, excuse me, ravaged Haiti. Dennis, what do you say to that? I mean, he spoke not only to America. This is why he is known as the lion. Give me your thoughts on that. Compassion has no boundaries. And when you got somebody like that who's truly concerned about its citizens of this country and other countries, I mean, it, it's just awesome. And, and all I can say is that uh, the congressman, when he leaves, when he do finally, uh, uh, you know, retires and, and say, hey, I'm through, uh, we're going to miss him. I mean, because I tell you, he's done a lot for this country. And like you, like you alluded to, uh, Lamont, how he he went over into other countries, and and it's all about. I, I mean, like I said, compassion has no limits. And when you're when you're somebody like him, you, you're going to continue to do what you do until uh, you know. Even when he's gone, I truly believe that he's going to keep doing something for this country. No, no, absolutely, Dennis, and uh, uh, those are things that are critically important. Uh, I tell you what, ladies and gentlemen of America, the ladies and gentlemen of New York who voted for Congressman Rangel. Wow. I mean, there are people that voted for Congressman Rangel that are no longer here. Exactly. Think of that, what I just said. They voted for Congressman Rangel and are no longer here to see the fruits of what they did and the impact of that vote. That is huge. Ladies and gentlemen, we push the issue tonight. We say this to you tonight. Go out and vote. Congressman Rango has been in Congress for over four decades. That just hit me. People that voted for him the first time. Are main, many of those people, Cliff, are no longer alive. Yeah. Do you know the impact of that? But his legacy, his work, his commitment, his dedication to this nation continues beyond 
the grave. That is, that's bigger than me. Cliff, when you hear that, well, you know, wow. when you, you look at the fact that, you know, he's been cited as the most effective lawmaker in the House of Representatives, uh, leading all of his colleagues in passing legislation. I mean, that means, just to break it down so everybody is clear, that means he has passed, his bills have become law more than anybody else. He has basically, in essence, created more laws than any other member of in the House of Representatives. If you think about what that means and the fact that he has been voted in 23 times for almost half a century, I mean, this speaks to uh, who he is as a person. You know, and in his interview, he was saying, you know, you have to find out what it takes to be a successful person. And seemingly the Congress, Congressman Rangel, to be successful is is measured in how much you help the American people. Because he has, he set out, you know, with civil rights and education and and fighting for for veterans. And he has been more successful than anybody else on the Hill in getting those laws passed. That when you think about that, that this man has gotten more things, I mean, that means he's gotten more things done than anybody else. And I don't, I don't, uh, you know, belittle or anything that any of the other members have done, but just the the work ethic, the amount of time and effort, uh, you know, as a as a military man, blood, sweat, and tears, the loss that he's seen, the you know, the friends that he's seen been uh, you know laid down to rest, the children that he's seen born. This is th- you're talking about a legacy. A you're legacy. talking about a man that has experienced every part of America and continues to fight to ensure that everyone can enjoy the good in America and that, uh, you know, the bad things that we can continue to fight against, though. And listen to this. Among his Congressman Rangel's proudest achievements is founding the Charles B. Rangel International Affairs Program in the State Department in cooperation with Howard University. As of 2013, there are 160 Rangel Fellows serving as U.S. State Department Foreign Service Officers in U.S. embassies around the world. 160. Congressman Rangel still, think about that for one moment. We have little Rangels running around. (laughs) Uh, Think of that. He is leaving his work, his passion. This is absolutely awesome to me. Cliff, I know you know a little bit about nature. I'm just going to take our, our listeners on a little journey real quick. And in nature, tell the folks a little bit about the impact of the lion, who is known as the king. He's the king of the – he is – listen to me, folks. There's a reason he's called the lion. Talk to us, Cliff. Talk yeah, to our listeners. Because the lion is the king of the jungle. He, might, he may not be the strongest animal. He may not uh, have the, the, the uh, largest you know, range, but he is the king of the beast. Think he about is that. The, he is the stately animal. He is the one that uh, that sits up and other animals take note that, you know, there is the king of the beast. And, and Congressman Rangel is known as the Lion of Harlem. So he's the, one, he's the one who stands, you know, he stands, uh, he stands proud of his heritage, proud of where he's from. And he also stands as, as a beacon of hope 
and also as a sentinel to protect those that uh you know that he that he stands for those who can't stand for themselves you know a lion uh in nature you know protects his entire you know his his entire kingdom his entire range his his territory he wow. stands there as I'm the one who protects it. So you can imagine Congressman Rangel standing there in front of the uh, Look, people of Harlem saying, I'm the one who stands here for you, who will protect you from all the, uh, you know, the ill that would befall you. That's awesome. You're talking about, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Cliff, for that illustration. Ladies and gentlemen of America, AJC Radio tonight shines the light on a legend. We say that. We mix no bones about it. A legend. A man that is a veteran, a war hero, a leader for the American people. We are left speechless, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to go to break, come back, and continue to honor this giant of a man that has not only impacted America, but the entire world. Tonight, we shine a very special spotlight on Congressman Charles Rangel as he finishes up his last year in our nation's capital. We come back to shine the light further. We'll be right back. How often does our justice system get it wrong, convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit? A new project by the University of Michigan Law School and the Center for Wrongful Convictions at Northwestern University School of Law tries to answer that question. In the last 23 years, more than 2,000 people have been convicted of serious crimes and later exonerated, according to the National Registry of Exonerations. By far, the largest segment was almost 1,200 defendants falsely convicted because of large-scale patterns of police corruption, generally in drug and gun cases. Of the remaining 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in a nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors. against women is wrong. We have a big problem, and we need your help. 
It's happening on college campuses, at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters. Our wives and our friends. It's called sexual assault, and it has to stop. We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent, or if she can't consent, it's rape, it's assault. It's a crime. It's wrong. If I saw it happening and I was taught, you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I'd speak up. If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help her. Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many. Welcome back in, ladies and gentlemen. And folks, uh, if you're wondering, well, is that the right music selection? If you know anything about going against adversity and doing things in the midst of a battle, uh, this is what that means. Ladies and gentlemen, we deal with a champion tonight in Congressman Charles Rangel. And uh, folks, I'll tell you what, we're excited here at AJC Radio, Dennis. Uh, boy, I'll tell you, we could we could take a, a, a number of shows to highlight this man, Congressman Charles Rangel out of New York, uh, and we've had the privilege tonight of hear of hearing the interview recently that he gave us and his position, his perception. Wow, uh, Dennis, your thoughts? All I can think about is the war hero, <laughs> and war heroes know how to fight. And he's been fighting for quite some time and making it happen. I'll tell you, I'm like you. Sometimes I'm speechless because just listening to him speak and how it's all about. I, I, I'm always, I'm always hyped by, you know, those that truly care about the American people. No, oh, absolutely, Cliff. Your thoughts on Congressman Rangel? Just on that. I mean, we, the time goes so very, very quickly. But wow, what a what an impact he's leaving on us, and we've talked to him, and and still the impact is no less tonight as we honor this champion on Capitol Hill. Absolutely, just to know that he has been fighting for nearly 50 years, making laws, uh, you know, arguing before the uh, you know other members, ensuring that the American people get a fair shake, that their voice is heard uh, for those things that uh, you know his impact. That's on the American people to, to have passed more laws than any other member of the House of Representatives. That is, uh, that is just amazing. That is, it, it leaves you speechless to, to know that he continues to fight and to have Absolutely. been doing it for 46 years, almost half a century, fighting for the American people. I tip my hat to you, Congressman. Absolutely. Lisa, your thoughts? Well, I just, all I can say is thank you to someone who's done so much for us and spent so much of his life dedicated to giving back to the country. I think it's just awesome. It is. And, folks, listen, Congressman Rangel came on when we first started Lisa Spotlight on Capitol Hill. He was one of our, our first yeah, folks that came was. on. Yeah, he was. He was actually the very first that we interviewed. That we interviewed. He sure was. We're gonna go, folks, we're going to give you an extra treat. It's kind of like on Halloween. You go to the door and you wish, man, I could get a couple of more pieces of candy. Well, tonight we're going to give you that extra treat. And, uh, 
Let's go to that first interview with Congressman Rango and hear what he had to say on that one. Hey, Lamont, how are you? Hello, Congressman Rango. How are you doing today? I'm doing okay. I was just telling Al Sharpton that I like to talk with him. He's wishing me a happy birthday, but I had another legend on the phone who really has overcome a lot of obstacles, and I want to get back to you. Well, I appreciate it. You beat me to the punch to wish you a happy birthday. Uh, And happy 80s. Man, you look great for 85, I'll tell you that. Well, I appreciate that. God's been good to me. Well, we had Congressman, uh, as you know, we're doing this uh, new thing here at AJC Radio. Congressman Rangel, first of all, uh, uh, you know, as we, uh, the spotlight on Capitol Hill deals with, of course, the things that we, we thought it important at this radio station to, uh, at this program, rather, to to give honor to those, the pioneers, if you will, of, of Capitol Hill, which you fit the mold with that. As we've, you know, read up on your uh, history, what you've done, what you've contributed to this country is I was sharing with someone today that, you know, spotlight on Capitol Hill when it comes to Congressman Rangel, uh, we could do a part one, part two, probably part three and four, uh, given 44 years, I believe, that you have been uh, in public service and doing a great job, and, and it's just amazing. And uh, just a, a couple of questions we'll ask for you, and I'll, I'll give you the floor. Um, in regards to current legislation right now that, that is on your mind and your heart, the passions uh, that you are looking to do in this Congress, uh, this new elected Congress, what are some of those things? Let's, what are some of those things legislatively that you're looking really to push this session? Well, as you know, I've decided that this will be wrapping up my last two years, and I wanted so badly to do this because uh, President Obama, uh, this is the last of his eight years of service, and it was my hope that he would have finally realized that he could not do business uh, with the Republicans and that we have an element in this Congress that no matter what he wants to do for the country, that they would impede him. Uh, They did it the first four years, and they haven't stopped. But I really had hoped uh, that he would be able to set a standard of education for all Americans uh, that could avoid some of the social ills and the racism that black folks and others face in this country. And of course, that hasn't changed. I had hoped that as we talk about trade and the improvement of the economy, that with better education and job opportunities, that the disparity between those people with no jobs and no hope and no homes those people who work hard every day and still can't make it. But in a country where the disparity between the 90% of the income going to 1% of the population, that we could break that type of thinking. I also thought that the president would realize that the United States of America cannot and should not attempt to bring peace to the Middle East. Mm-hmm. When we find tribes and so-called nations that have been fighting and killing each other for over 2,000 years, and the fact that we know that the first President Bush uh, discouraged going in there, the second President Bush went in looking for weapons of mass destruction that wasn't there, but oil was there. And so right now, 
uh, I was hoping that the bill that we're voting on tomorrow, which is the uh, the Trans-Pacific Trade Bill with 20 countries, uh, that the president would have included in that a protection for jobs for the working class, education for the kids to follow through in high tech, and also a bill for the infrastructure of the United States since our inner cities and our cities are falling apart and you can't send those jobs overseas. Unfortunately, those things uh, haven't happened. And uh, tomorrow morning, we will watch very carefully to see how the trade bill goes. But the whole thing is that even though the Republicans are in charge, uh, the immigration bill that they refuse to bring up uh, to me is that they think that the Statue of Liberty uh, is color conscious and that if you don't come from Europe, they weren't talking about you. But the complexion and the culture of the country is changing. And today, as my birthday present, I had an extension of the African Growth and Opportunity Bill for another 15 years, another right. 10 years rather. And I feel very excited about that because it gives jobs, hopes, and trade to people on the continent. And uh, that including being able to bring down apartheid with my tax laws and low-income housing. So I've had a wonderful career, but uh, we still, in the last half of the ninth inning, two outs, and we should be really uh, batting toward the bleachers, and I hope the president would be doing just that before he leaves office. Okay, and uh, yeah, congratulations on that. That's a that's a huge uh, birthday present for you. And I noticed, uh, Congressman Rangel, that uh, I, I was looking at uh, some information. I guess where you spoke at the airport workers rally, uh, I believe last year, um, and you were talking about, and you were very inspiring to me when I heard that you were actually discussing the uh, importance of people coming together and dealing with poverty and. And, you know, the things that are important in this country that the American people care about, uh, I think that separates you from a lot of people in Congress, in my opinion. I believe there are good people there, uh, but what you have actually, uh, what you have actually said uh, at that rally was very moving to me. And I think that, you know, from what I see, that separates you. And I go to the next question with that, and you touched on it a little bit. Uh, the state of the United States right now, given ISIS, given uh, and you know Eric Gardner, the Michael Brown, the Walter Scott situation. Um, what would what would your thoughts be on the state of the country right now, given what has happened uh, in this country when, when you're talking about police and justice and judicial process? Uh, what are your thoughts on that, and where do we stand right now as a country in your in your opinion? Well, first of all, I don't see how we can justify our presence in the Middle East, I don't see where we can convince people in the United States that ISIS is a threat to our national security. And quite frankly, if I'm wrong, then the president should declare war and the Congress should hear the arguments and vote for it. Now the president wants to send another 500 men and women over there but not as combat troops. Well, they got to have guns. People be shooting after them. And this is the way you get our country sucked into another war. We've been fighting this war for over 10 years, and enough is enough. 
It's sure. not just the trillions of dollars that we're losing over there, but it's actually the lives of human beings that uh, are defending America against an enemy that not you, not me, not anyone can describe what country it is, what flag they have, and even if they want to surrender, who in the hell would we be going to talking about a truce? Having said that, to think that a powerful country like this can still have poverty, to think that a country like this would have the illiteracy rates that we do, to think that a country like this would have crumbling infrastructure and that our kids can go to its public schools and less than half of them would be able to get a higher degree of education to be internationally competitive. We have come a long way from slavery. Yeah. But the vestiges of racism is still in this country. And I don't believe you can change people's hearts by having more police or more, especially with policemen that come in from other communities. But the one key that I am convinced that will allow us to regain well, a little bit, ladies and gentlemen, Congressman Charles Rangel, speaking to the American people, his heart. Um, got an opportunity to pull some information at, at his website, Congressman Rangel. This is in regards to military veterans in Congress introduced bill to help deported veterans. And Congressman uh, Rangel says this, and I quote, as a veteran, I know that one's skin color or immigration status is the last thing that matters on the battlefield. We cannot turn our backs against our immigrant service members who fought to defend our freedoms. Yet despite their contributions, we have stripped them of the honor of serving in our nation's armed services and taken them away from their families. I am proud to join my colleagues to help unite loved ones and pay respect to those who sacrificed on our behalf. And Dennis, I'm going to defer to you uh, on this one. Uh, Congressman Rangel says he's a veteran. And this speaks, uh, Dennis, Cliff, Lisa, to when he speaks to the, the uh, one skin color or immigration status. He said it's not, that's the last thing that matters in war. And these, these uh, uh, soldiers and warriors should be honored. Dennis, your thoughts on the, on the Congressman's a position on that? Oh, I agree with him 100%. I mean, uh, I did 20 years in the military, both Marine Corps and Army uh, together. And uh, I, I, w I worked alongside a lot of different uh, ethnic backgrounds than, of course, my own. But I tell you, I mean, we worked together. We trained together. We did everything together. We were like brothers. And truly, he understands. Absolutely. I mean, in a wartime situation, you know, that's, that's it. That's all you got. I mean, you can't you can't call home. You can't do a lot of things. You know, your family is those individuals that you're out there uh, protecting, and they're protecting you. So I truly understand what he's saying. That you know, we got to get away from this this thing about you know treating people differently. You know what I'm saying? I mean, if they can fight, if if, if that individual can fight in our you know fight for this country. They should be able to be citizens. Oh, absolutely. And Cliff, when you hear the congressman go into, uh, he speaks to the fact that these men have been dishonored. These, these sold men and women have been dishonored. This is a man who speaks as a soldier, 
who can speak from the battlefield and understand. How important is that, that that mindset be kept and retained in Congress? Yes, I mean, it's critical, as Dennis alluded to. I mean, when you're out on the battlefield, and I can only imagine, I've never been, uh, you know, I'm not, I've never been in armed services. I've never been uh, out in a time of war as such. But, you know, uh, growing up the way that I did, on the streets, you know, I've been in a couple shootouts, I'm sure not as many as men in war have. <laughs> but it does not matter who has your back. And when you're out on the battlefield, you get wounded. I don't care who you are, where you came from. I don't care what language you're speaking. I don't care what happens. If you can drag me off the battlefield and I can be spared, then I don't care where you come from. To me, you are not, you are my brother in arms. Exactly. You you're you're a soldier. And and when we come back to America, I, I could not imagine the servicemen, the ones who have been wounded, and and maybe you know an immigrant American have been the one who rescued them. And then when it came time for them to get honored, I mean, you're standing there as a soldier saying, this man drugged me to safety. This man saved my life. I was wounded, and he pulled me off the battlefield. And now you're telling him you're going to deport him? As a soldier, I, cannot, I, I couldn't imagine what that would do. She said, okay, America, I think you got it wrong here. This man, this man is a hero. Exactly. And that's the bottom line. And Congressman Rangel, that is what he's fighting for, the awesome. equality and just, just the fairness for every American citizen. And check this out, folks. Uh, we're going to go to – we couldn't uh, finish this show without going to the – he gave the quick – we had a brief interview with Congressman Rangel when we were remembering the veterans on 9-11 not the veterans, but the tragedy of 9-11 in this country that happened in his backyard. Uh, we're going to go to that here momentarily, but – the, the, the congressman is all over the place when it comes to being attached to life-changing uh, uh, choices or life-changing decisions. He speaks to every issue that speaks. We go to this. Uh, he basically, uh, Congressman Rangel uh, gave a tribute to cancer survivors, and it says here, cancer takes a toll on families and loved ones undergoing treatment. As the primary sponsor of the Affordable Care Act, 20 million people are now able to have access to regular checkups to prevent cancer and resources available to them after diagnosis. With over 18,000 people in New York City living with cancer, and I quote Congressman Rangel, I hope one day we will find a cure. And that's why when he speaks to the, uh, the, Ob- the Obama uh, Care Act, uh, the, the Affordable Care Act, rather, which is known as Obamacare, you know, I don't care how many people want to critique it, want to change it there are lives that are being saved there are lives that are being impacted i mean things that would never ever uh look to be possible congressman rango has his footprint left there and what a huge honor to honor congressman rango tonight and he goes even into uh urging equal pay for american women uh press release back in april he stated and i quote congressman rango today on equal pay day I joined the nation to raise awareness of the wage gap that affects both women and people of color in America. At a time when women are working alongside men every, in every sector of society, it is unacceptable that women are not equally compensated as their male counterparts. While we have made substantial progress to close the gender pay gap, there's still more to be done in order to ensure that all Americans, regardless of gender or color, receive equal pay for equal work. 
another thing that Congressman Rangel, Lisa, I'm going to defer to our woman uh, host tonight on that one because women have just been disrespected in this country. You can say that again. And how refreshing. And, and I'll tell you what, Rangel comes from the old school. That's right. But he, he, this speaks to the character of this band. The character of Congressman Rangel says, wait a minute. And I think, Lisa, that's what is so impressive to me, that the congressman is moving with the times. He is flexible to say, you know what, this is not right. This is right. Women deserve the exact same pay, can do the exact same job that the counterparts can do. Lisa, as a woman, speak to how much that means to you that Congressman Rangel takes that position. Well, Lamont, I think what it, what it says to me, it's not so much about, to me, not so much about moving with the times as it is that, you see someone, you don't have to be uh, someone who's just coming into the, into the workforce, someone who's just been here for 20 or 30 years in, uh, working in America. He's, the man's got common sense, and that's what it takes to realize that there's no reason why women should be paid differently. And the fact that he sees that, all that does is tell me that this man, it, he, has, he has a good head on him. He's got common sense, just common old-fashioned horse sense to say, okay, there, there's no reason for that. It's no, uncalled for. No, absolutely. And Congressman Rangel, we salute you tonight. Take a bow for the service that you've given this nation. Folks, we're going to go to the 9-11 uh, interview about the tragedy that struck this nation and a leader that stood up to be heard. Okay, Congressman Rangel, we, uh, we thank you for the opportunity of, of joining us tonight. And uh, we thought it necessary to reach out uh, to your office as we reflect on 9-11 uh, and the tragedy that hit New York City and we didn't think if there was anyone better uh, that could speak to it as we reflect and think about uh, what actually happened on that day and we'd like you to share that with our listeners and, and where, we, where we are today as a nation as we try to continue to keep America safe. I'm so glad to participate in this discussion because no matter what problems we have individual as a nation. We're so blessed that with the exception of Pearl Harbor, we have never but never been struck as we were by terrorists. Everybody in New York and probably throughout the country recognizes where they were when these two planes struck a building and killed so many thousands of innocent people. So as a result of that, I feel the pain today of the reaction that our countries had in attacking people that they wanted that appeared to be now more political and more retaliatory than being accurate and the right thing to do. And so I would hope that if people truly believe, as I do, that this retaliation could have been avoided and indeed look into the question as to what happened as a result of our attack on Israel. What happened when people who had religious and other disputes for thousands of years uh, decided that they would then attack the United States and other people. It seemed to me that anybody that doesn't participate 
by registering, by voting, by asking questions, are not really involved in the protection of the security of the United States. That was a vicious thing that happened to us. But compared to what has happened to other countries and what's going on today with homeless refugees, God has indeed blessed this wonderful country of ours. We ought to do something to protect it. No, absolutely, uh, Congressman. And uh, uh, we was uh, doing an opportunity uh, to look at some information uh, uh, this morning where uh, you basically fought very vigorously, uh, Congressman Rangel, to prevent uh, the Homeland Security shutdown. Um, of course, that is the Department of Homeland Security was born out of uh, the tragedy that took place uh, in New York City. Uh, what steps, in your opinion, do we need to take as a country but as a government uh, they, there was questions in regards to sharing information between uh, agencies, law enforcement agencies that could have avoided this. What are your thoughts on that, and how do we correct that now, seeing the threat uh, that America faces uh, with other terrorist groups that may want to copycat, if you will, uh, th- those uh, those moments and those uh, actions taken by uh, al-Qaeda? We do this by encouraging informed people like you to raise these problems and questions, to inform and educate and to get people to ask questions. Because these are not interesting subjects, and sometimes they're not pleasant subjects. But as long as you reach out to those of us who are responsible for the decisions that cause or can uh, deflect, uh, these type of international horrific stories, then America would just hope that we do the best we can. People have to ask the question, why? Why did we have to fight for homeland security? Why did we have to fight for the funding? The truth of the matter is, homeland security had nothing to do with it. It was a polarization of the Republican Party that if they couldn't get their agreement as to the things they wanted legitimately, they would hold hostage to Homeland Security. Don't ask me why they thought that the United States would capitulate because they took away the heart of our security. But let me tell you this. Today, we marked up a bill in my committee. And soon, in October, the first or soon after, We would have reached our debt ceiling, which means what? The president would have to ask authority uh, from the Congress to borrow money. If the Congress doesn't give it to him and we default, our economy collapses and the international community that is led by the dependency on our currency will call chaos. Wrangle, are you saying the Congress is going to let that happen? Well, they got to the brink of it before, and as a result of just the threat of it, we lost hundreds of billions of dollars because people refused to invest in America. Well, how could it possibly happen today? We, the Republicans, passed a bill saying that it's to prevent a default bill. Well, then it's not going to happen. All they're saying is don't use the word default, but what does that mean? They say Treasury can borrow more money but they have to pay back our foreign people who invested first. Well, what's wrong with that? It means that they never considered our obligation 
to our sick, our poor, our disabled, our veterans, just the people that that we borrowed money from. Hey, I'll be glad to get on your program when this thing gets on the floor. And then people would say, God, I never thought they would do that in Washington. Well, the frustration that people have with Washington is what creates people like Don Trump. They don't love him. They're just frustrated with government. I got to run now, but call okay. me back. I'm glad to talk with you any other evening, okay? Thank you, Congressman. And thanks for your service. Thank you Thank so you much, for your service. Thank you very much, and we appreciate you, and we will be uh, reaching out to you again. Take care and be safe Thank out there in Washington. Thank you so much. I'll be there for you. Thank you. Thank you, Congressman. Take care. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, spotlight on Capitol Hill. I'll tell you what, uh, I probably need some clinics for the tear uh, and the emotion that we feel tonight. What a champion. And we appreciate Congressman Charles Rangel, who is a friend we consider family here on AJC Radio. And we are honored tonight, and we say a very special thank you to Congressman Charles Rangel. We have not done... Uh, you true service because we would have to take probably in in, uh, a huge amount of number of shows to begin to scratch the surface of our honor and our respect for you and the impact you've had on this nation thank you to you your staff and all that you've done to accommodate AJC radio and taking time out of your very busy schedule we send a very special thanks to the champion the lion of Congress and of the house A very special thank you. Right now, we turn the page to the IRP6, and what you didn't know starts right now. A just cause has found something very interesting. A playwright by Judge H. Lee Sarigan about the IRP6. It starts right now. Take a look. My name is David Banks, and I'm serving an 11-year sentence at the Federal Correctional Complex Prison Camp in Florence, Colorado. I've lost everything. My business, my money, my family, my future, my church, and my freedom. My name is Gary Walker, and I'm serving a sentence of 11 years in the same prison. Just an aside, not only were the six of us all devout members of the same church, there was not a single criminal charge or conviction among any of us until these unbelievable events unfolded. My name is Clinton Stewart, and I'm serving a sentence of 10 years at the same prison in Colorado. It's fitting that we lived, prayed, and worked together that we should end up dying together, because that is what prison is for us and our families. I am Kendrick Barnes, and I am serving a seven-year sentence at the same prison in Colorado. I was the chief information officer at IRP Solutions, the name of our company. I testified, and then Gary objected. A Donnybrook broke out, because Gary said our Fifth Amendment rights had been violated by compelling us to testify. The judge said she had not said anything of the kind, and we demanded the transcript. We were all absolutely unanimous in our verbatim version of what she had said. She denied production of the transcript for that day 
and at the time, some 200 pages, but assured us that they would be produced at the end of the day. Transcript of that particular conversation in the courtroom between us and the judge has never been produced. I am Demetrius Harper, and I'm serving a 10-year sentence at the same prison. And then in June of 2009, four years later, they finally got a grand jury to indict us. This time, they only called one witness, an FBI agent. And the old adage that a prosecutor can indict a ham sandwich was proven. This is a production that sets the bar and takes a sincere look at the RP6 story. Judge H. Lee Serkin, retired federal judge, felt compelled to say something. We will not remain silent to see the full story, the full playwright of the RP6 tragedy. Go to YouTube search the race card you don't want to miss it some people think that business is a game and what we have learned is that business actually is war when they wanted people to sign non-disclosure agreements and all that kind of stuff, sometimes they didn't want to do it. Strange to me. I think it's still strange. It just absolutely makes no sense. Is this really real? Is this happening? And, and then all of a sudden your whole life is ripped apart. What we have learned is that the RP6 story was supposed to be the American dream is an American nightmare. They were floored that uh, they were even being raided. Um, it became very clear that the court-appointed attorneys were not working for the guys. Um, and it seemed like in many cases that they were um, collaborating or working with the prosecution. We constantly hear in the news, every week you're going to hear about another person wrongfully convicted. And this is a unique case in the sense that you have six men, six businessmen that have been wrongfully convicted. You would think the media would jump all over it. Justice is not fair anymore. They say justice is supposed to be blind. It's not blind. It's not blind. They pick and choose who they want to convict and who they want to send to jail. Is this happening in America? The American dream of the RP6 has turned into a nightmare, crying children left behind as a result of a corrupt system and corruption. We will seek and search for justice. We will ask the tough questions. We will demand answers as justice lays idle in the streets of America. We look for the answer. Ladies and gentlemen, go out to change.org, sign the petition now. America's future depends on it. And there you have it. The IRP6, who are they? Dave Zapolo, Demetrius Harper, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, 
and Gary Walker, real men who have been done a huge miscarriage of justice. Tonight, we implore you to go to change.org and sign the petition right now. Cliff, as we talk about these six men, their families, I have gone to change.org. There are a lot of petitions there, and many of them have huge significance. Why is it so important that we plead tonight for our nation, those that believe in the IRP6, to go and sign that petition? Cliff, talk to our listeners. Well, when you have a federal judge such as Judge Ashley Sarakin that, uh, you know, not only takes an interest in saying, uh, you know, that these, these men, that this, this case, there's just too many things that happened wrong. But when he goes to, uh, you know, putting on a play and then recording a reading of that play, when he goes to uh, sending in a request for clemency to uh, President Obama, when, when he, he continues to voice his opinion and what happened and he he's making calls to uh up on capitol hill this is the type of petition that you know there has to be something behind it it's, this is not just us as a just cause making these uh making these statements and just to read a few of the comments that are out there on change.org you know if you want to go out there change.org do a search on irp6 sign that petition but this is what some of the people are saying we got uh, Donald from uh, Mount Kisco, New York. He says, I share Judge Serkin's view of this case and am deeply concerned about a rush to justice. Judge Serkin has been an honest, unbiased, and clear-sighted jurist and a beacon for justice for those who have been treated unfairly by the judicial system throughout his career. I am strongly influenced by Judge Serkin's advocacy for these individuals, and after looking at the facts, I agree that his concerns are well-founded. When you have people who are going out here, making these type of statements and saying, I, I, I believe in Judge Serkin because he was an unbiased and, and clear judge when he was on the bench. So that makes people say, I want to take a closer look. And then when you do, you can come to the conclusion for yourself that uh, the concerns, as, as uh, Donald in, in Mount Kisco, New York, says, that he agrees that the concerns in this case are well-founded, and he finds the same thing that Judge Sarakin does. No, absolutely. And, folks, the bottom line is this. Uh, if you want to know more about it, go out to the play, uh, to, to the YouTube video where the uh, where Judge uh, H. Lee Sarakin uh, created this play, and it is presented in a clear dramatization of what is important. Uh, and you can see it for yourself. You don't have to take our words for it. Go out to YouTube, search the race card face up. You will find this video in full of what these men who were compelled to speak. Uh, it, it, is, it is critically important that that happen. Again, you can go to the uh, go out to YouTube, type in the race card face up. The video will come up. You will have that opportunity to actually view it. You don't have to take our words for it. Then you can go directly to change.org. Sign that petition. It doesn't, again, it doesn't take much. Go out there. If you believe in justice, if you believe that this is right, that we raise awareness to the injustice of this nation and to these six men, these, these, these are brothers, fathers, friends. You know, let's, let's get involved, ladies and gentlemen of America. Go out to YouTube. Search the, the race card face up. This show is dedicated Every show is dedicated to the justice being brought to these six men who have sat in prison now 
for approximately four years. Who are they again? Dave Zappolo, Demetrius Harper, David Banks, Kendrick Barnes, Clinton Stewart, Gary Walker. If you are on Facebook, go out there. Share that video with your friends. Share what you know, what you feel. If you feel like, man, something needs to be done, well, share it with somebody. Tell everybody. Go to Facebook and, and, and share it with your friends, anybody that's there. Folks, this is critical. Again, go to change.org, sign that petition to see the video, the complete video. Go to YouTube, the, the race card, face up. Ladies and gentlemen, it has been a pleasure. Tonight, we give another special thanks to Congressman Charles Rangel for being a champion and allowing us a few moments to share his vision. We salute you tonight, Congressman Rangel, and your entire staff there in our nation's capital. Cliff? Yes, I want to say thank you to our production team, K&D Productions, Captain Kyle and Dustin Jackson, helping out Ill Skillers Girl in the control room, making sure you hear what it is that we have to say. Also, want to say thank you to our production support team. They give us accurate and up-to-date information so we can pass that on to you. Also, to the truth, we know you're out there. We appreciate it. Good night, America. We'll see you next time here on AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. Good night. Good night. Good night. Are we going to Washington on 10 to 10? Let me tell you a story as an old timer. You are the patriots of the United States of America. You will remember 10 to 10 to tell your kids and your grandkids when America seemed to have turned this back on justice, when bigotry and prejudice appeared to be taking over, when we saw the banks being saved but not the small businesses, that you, you turned it around on 10 to 10. Let me tell you that when I was asked to march from Selma to Montgomery, the way we're begging you to march to Washington. I just went to Selma to have my picture taken. I had no idea of the significance of that 54-mile trip. I had no idea that the civil rights movement, the voting rights movement, was just waiting for America to come forward with Dr. King to turn our country around. We can do this now. The heart of America is not Wall Street. What made America great are jobs and working and dreams and aspirations, not just for us, but for our children and our children's children in the world because they know what we got is pride, self-esteem, paying rent, paying mortgages, and sending kids off to school. You take that away from America, and you're taking away our heart.